Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Well, if you were here this morning, I should... You do know where we are, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're going to pick up where we left off this morning. And again, <clears throat> I'm not... Uh, giving you a uh, full in detail of everything that's in this chapter for the sake of time. But we, we definitely want to hit the, the, the main thoughts here. Again, uh, carrying this thought of freedom, uh, being freed by the Lord and for the Lord. Sometimes we forget the for the Lord when we're in living. Uh, but it's we're saved by the Lord, freed by the Lord and for the Lord as we wait for Him. And... Um, so, Romans chapter 12, um, we'll back up, we read some verses this morning, but we're going to back up and read, pick up in verse 3 and read to the remainder of, <clears throat> remainder of the chapter, okay? Um, so, if you're there, let's, let's say amen together. Amen, alright. So, Romans chapter 12 and um, in verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Uh, whether prophecy, let us prophesy um, according to the proportion of faith, um, or, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth, teacheth on teaching, or he that, uh, that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with uh, cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation. In other words, hypocrisy is what that means. Uh, abhor uh, abhor uh, that which is evil. In other words, hate that which is evil. Uh, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man, evil for evil. In other words, don't repay evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. 
Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto the wrath, under wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou hast heaped coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our time together. Uh, there's much here, and Father, I, I'm, I know that we will not exhaust all the verses I've read. There's so many. Uh, but Father, we just want to um, hit the, the, the high points of this chapter, to finish up this chapter. And I, I pray tonight that we will live <clears throat> in the freedom that we've been given uh, through Jesus Christ. Uh, to uh, live out the duty that we have to ourselves and also the duty that we have toward uh, the brethren. And so help us to uh, take the truth off the pages of Scripture and apply it to our lives through the Spirit's help. Uh, Father, I ask that you help me to disappear. I pray that they, those that are here only hear uh, your voice. I pray for each one. I pray that we truly flesh out the things that is that we are beseeched or urged to flesh out um, and in doing so we can be consistent in these things if we will renew our minds upon the mercies and grace that you provide us and father I ask for your guidance I, I ask you to give me clarity of everything that you would have me to say help me to speak well and to speak clearly and um, I pray all this in Christ's name and all of God's people said Amen. So, um, continuing from this morning's message about um, you've been freed to live a transformed life, we, we dove in uh, to the fact that when we trusted Christ, we were positioned in freedom. And we have been freed from uh, sin uh, and sin's penalty, that final sting of death. But we've also been freed to things, and we don't want to forget about that. Sometimes we just praise God for the things we've been freed from. But we need to rejoice also about the things we've been freed to. And so it's just as important and imperative to remember that. So that's what a lot we've been looking at in these series of messages. So the point we looked at this morning was that we have a duty uh, to God. And Paul talked about the sacrificial life and a holy life. And that comes with facing the difficulties of life. And a lot of things that are enemies to that kind of life will try to pull us off the rails, so to speak. But there's a great power that we've been given. And it's the gospel. And it can help us stay faithful and, and, and consistent if only we would bring our minds back to that glorious gospel. Take our minds and hearts back to Calvary every day, multiple times a day. And be renewed. A renewed mind brings a faithful life. It truly does. And what you set your mind to, as we all would say, you can do it. And we set our minds on Christ. And as Paul said, I do it. Oh, but not me. But Christ does it through me. Amen. So God gets all the credit. And so we come to the uh, second point tonight. We have two more points I want to look at. And the, the first one's this. You have a duty... Um, to um, yourself, so to speak. 
Maybe you could have worded that better, but we're going to go with that. You have a duty, in one sense, to, um, uh, to, your, to yourself. Um, if we look at verse 3, it says here this, For I say to the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Right? But to, be, but to think soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure um, of faith. And so, what I want us to understand is this. Sometimes we, as the saying is, we can become our own worst enemy. Right? We, we have a purpose to live. We have a calling from God. We have marching orders from Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our friend, the, the, our, our provider, sustainer. That's who He is. The one who shows us mercy. And we have a duty to ourselves. We can either uh, take ourselves uh, to a place that's not glorifying God, bring ourselves to be a vessel to dishonor, or we can bring ourselves to a place where we are vessels unto honor. So you have a duty even to yourself to go the right direction. There is accountability and, 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 a, and a culpableness um, to ourselves. So, you know, um, I have talked with people many times, and man, they are just their own worst enemy. Um, they, they, they think they're wise, they think they're this, they think they're that, and they very gloat, they gloat about it, they, they think they're better than others, and they really take themselves down a, a, a bad road. But if we're going to live this life, as we're going to see uh, amongst the brethren to others, we've got, to, we've got to really prepare ourselves in order to receive the brethren well, to have the right perspective toward others that's in the body of Christ, and, and serve with them, okay? Have you ever met somebody that really thought they were the most valuable person? Everyone else is second to them. You don't have to raise your hand, but I see some chuckling. So I think there's some, you know, uh, um, I think I asked the right question. You probably met some people like that. And Paul says, listen, Paul knows enough about the human nature. He says, listen, don't think too highly of yourself, Right? He goes, I know there's probably some arrogance down in there that could find its way up out of you. And because he's segueing in to a stretch of scripture that if we don't get verse 3 right, it's really going to mess up our perspective toward the brethren and how we should interact toward one another. Remember, we are living a transformed life. Our fleshly mind is that we'd love to think, well, I'm the... I'm the MVP of Clear Springs Missionary Baptist Church. If, if I wasn't there, that wouldn't get done, or that wasn't there. I, listen, everybody, you know, as far as what they do, God can put someone else there. He's got the power to do that, amen, and, and, and fill the void to his local church. He builds his church, amen, so he may serve, but let us not serve with a lot of pride. So um, there's bodily value here that Paul wants us to have, but what's in danger to that is this thought of arrogancy. Not to think himself more highly than he ought uh, to think. Um, Matthew Henry had a quote. He said, um, pride is a sin that is bred in the bone of all of us. And we have therefore each of us need to be cautioned and armed against it. Okay? Uh, we can become very opinionated toward others based upon how you view yourself. You know? If you, if, if you go forth humble and meek and kind, the less you know, opinionated you become and mouthy we become toward others. We are to be loving each other. We can, we can go down a wrong road if we don't 
uh, if we miss this um, warning here in verse 3. Galatians 6, 3 says, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. So you're just you're deceiving your own self. That's the reason I said you, you are freed, right? Because this transformed life, you have a duty to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Don't live in this lie that you think you are something when really we're all simply sinners saved by grace and need the grace to serve the one who gave us that grace. And so I would say this, it is good to be wise. Would you all agree to that? But it's a bad thing to think that you are. I think that very maybe simple statement, but... It's good to be wise, but it's a bad thing to really think you are wise. And people like to say, well, just as long as how I did this. They always, you, know, you, know, you know people like that, but this is a danger, right, in this, this valuing the body. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, well, you have to remember, as Paul said here in verse 3, he said, you think that you've created all that you do and all the strength you have to do it, and you're just very stuck on yourself. But look at verse 3. But to think soberly, right? According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The reason you have the portion of grace or strength or whatever to do what you do for the glory of God through this church, it's not because you created it, it was because God gave it to you. He dealt it to you to serve as you're serving. So when you begin to think that you're just the MVP, or so you become very arrogant in, in your thinking about yourself. Hold on just a second. The reason you have that grace, the reason your faith has been strengthened, is because God has done that work in you. At the end of the day, none of us get the credit. God does. Amen? That's what Paul is saying. He knows, the, he, he knows humanity very well. Amen? And so each part, if you will, has a flow from God to do its part. And he knows the portion to give it. You think about the body. He's getting ready to step into this, the body, right? And um, you think about your own body. You say, say you got your uh, little toe, but then you got your, your entire leg. Uh, there, there is a, a larger flow, uh, uh, say, blood or whatever, to the leg than just the little toe. What if the little toe got the same flow of what it needed as the whole leg? You'd look a little strange, wouldn't you? Right? And so God knows the flow, right, of grace that you need and the strength that you need to whatever part he has fit you into this church to live out. He knows the flow that you need, and guess what? He's faithful to give it to you. Amen? So don't be arrogant. Don't be thinking that you're something, right? That you're the self-made Christian. No, you're a God-made Christian. He's still working on He's the potter. I'm the clay. He works me into who he wants me to be. Each one of us are parts. But we are parts working to the same work and to the same benefit to um, the whole. First Corinthians 12, 14. For the body is not one member, but many. So I want, and I love preaching these verses, is because it allows me the opportunity to speak about your value. Everyone that serves is valuable to God, or he would not have placed you here. Amen? We're lively stones built upon one another, and God builds his church. 
Uh, certain offices may have need, need a more flow of grace or more flow and may have a higher value as far as what the, 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 the office that it is. But the people, no matter what office you're serving or what you're doing, you are the same value as anybody else. And God's placed you where he wants you and God doesn't mess up. Amen. God doesn't mess up where he places you. So you have a duty to yourself. Get your mind right. Get your arrogance out of your heart. Know that all of your strength and who you've become for the Lord here for this church has been by God's hand and by his spirit. So this humility, this, this, this sobriety. So then we come to this. You have a duty to the brethren. We're going we're gonna to spend the rest of our time here. You have a duty to the brethren. So what Paul is saying, I'm wanting you to place yourself as a person without arrogance. Without being stuck on yourself. And so when you achieve that by the renewed mind, to live that transform. So when you do that, then you're able to really appreciate all parts of the body that make up a local church. So you come on down through here. And, and, and I'm not going back and, and, and broken down all the offices, right? So I want you to, to think about that. He mentions several offices. He mentions prophecy, which is not a, a prophetic like Isaiah, but it is the proclamation uh, of, of the word. He talks about those of ministering and teaching, uh, um, teaching the word. Those that uh, are giving, let them do it uh, simply, right, with simplicity. In verse 8, those that rule, uh, do it with diligence, who shows mercy, do it cheerfully. And, and so there's a lot of people doing a lot of different things. And here's what's so important as we step in to this having a duty to the brethren. It's important that there are many doing different things. Because someone told me a long time ago, he said, he, said, he said, Brother Josh, whatever you do, always do it with the spirit of excellence. Don't half do something, right? Would you halfway build your home well? Then why would we half build God's kingdom well here in this church? Amen? We are, joint, we, we are co-laborers with God. Don't forget about that. Now, what, what efforts you may put into in your own, for your own self, make sure you bring that spirit of excellence when it comes to, to building things that God calls us to build and, and being a part of kingdom building. So it's important that not everything is done by one person. Because, folks, listen, the more you get on your plate, the less excellency you put in all of those things. You become spent, you become stretched, you become forgetful, you become tired, you can't give as much as you would want to. So when things become dispersed, right, then excellency begins to rise, right? Precision becomes a priority and you begin to see that in the body. If you begin to see things begin to fall apart, it's either one person trying to be a glory hog or really there's not enough people really coming in and helping with the work. It's one of the two, one of the two right? And so ask yourself this question, am I helping the disbursement of the labor? If we want excellency, if we want precision, it takes more people in the work. That's why God continues to add to his church. And so we come here with this uh, duty toward the brethren here in verse 9. Okay? Um, so I want you to know you're valuable to the Lord. All right? As we, as we leave that part of the scripture, know that you're valuable and you're needed in the work of ministry. Okay? 
Now, look here in this, this transformed life. We're talking about personal holiness, personal sacrifice. We're talking about uh, this transformed life not being self-focused uh, or, or arrogant. Um, and, but we're, and then we're coming into this thought of looking toward everyone has value and needed. And then we come here to uh, how we treat the brethren. How we treat the brethren. So look at verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Okay? Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Okay? Um, you know, there's one word here that really sums up our duty toward one another. And he says it right there in that verse. It says, love. Amen? Let love. Love is a powerful thing. Love is designed by God. God knows what love should be. So he, he is saying let love be what it was designed to be, what it is. It is an attribute of God. God is never hypocritical, is he? There's no hypocrisy that comes from God. So that's what love should be. That's what Paul is saying. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be toward the brethren as God would have love toward uh, your brother. Okay? There is no greater foundation than this attribute, which is love, for a local church. Amen? Would y'all agree? Amen. All right. So, so notice this. If, if we portray a love toward the brethren that is simply tongue-in-cheek, that, 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 is, that is a love of hypocrisy. It's not genuine love. Love is not simply consisting of compliment and pretense. Love is an action. It is a movement of yourself toward others. Love. Isn't that what it is? When I, when I married my wife, we promised to love each other, right? Till death do us part. It wasn't a tongue-in-cheek. It was the full motion of myself toward her, loving her. And what a, what a great pleasure to, for us to have than to love the brethren. It breaks my heart when I've heard people come from other churches say, you know what, there was just no love there, you know? Um, and that really takes me to another thought here about that um, when it comes to love. When it comes to loving one another, and I may be, I am getting ahead of myself just a little bit. I want to include verse 10 before I make, make this comment. But let me give you a couple verses and then, and then I'll mention it. 1 John 3, 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Would you agree? Amen. Amen. And it joys me when people come into Clear Springs Baptist Church and they say, you were very loving. I know that it wasn't a tongue-in-cheek kind of love. It was, it was you being loving to them. It blessed my heart. There was a, <clears throat> a couple visiting here this morning, and I saw some, some of the membership going to them. That's what we should do. Amen. And that's not the extent of loving, but that was, that was a great gesture of, of love. Right? 2 Corinthians 8 8, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. Dear Christian, you have what greater opportunity living in a world and around people that often redefine love and, and, and try to use a love that's very surface level, you have an opportunity to show the sincerity of true gospel centered love. Love. 
you have the opportunity to plant yourself in this place. And also, this is primarily toward the brethren here. But we need to take the love of God even be out, out beyond the brethren. Amen? You have an opportunity to show others sincere Christ-like love. The devil has enough people showing him what fake love is. We need people that show the sincerity of our love. And that's a love that Christ has. But he goes on to talk about affection in verse 10. Be kind the affection one toward another with what? Brotherly love and honor preferring one another. A love that is affectionate. It's an affectionate kind of love. Showing yourself friendly fits here. The Bible talks about, and, and I don't have the, the chapter and verse, it's left me. But if, if you want friends, you're to show yourself what? Friendly. Um, so there's two parts to this. Being affectionate. This goes both ways. And, and, and I, I've, had, I've, had, I've had some, I've had, I've had people tell me, say, you know, Brother Josh, we just... You know, may not feel like people as, as, as loving to us as we think they should be, this, that, and the other. And, and I'm thinking, well, where are, are you placing yourself very available to be loved? Some people come in out of church and they're like ducking and diving and avoiding the people. Kind of hard to be loved like that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and they never come to a fellowship, they never come to a church function, they never come to discipleship, which really, I'll be honest with you, when you come to discipleship, which is Sunday school, that's really where you form a lot of bonds, right? You're not scattered around the auditorium, you're in a smaller space, and you, you get to bond with one another. And folks, when you avoid all of those extensions, those things that a church offers, hey, you may feel a little less loved. But you have placed yourself in a, in a way, in a sense, that you don't feel love. But really, you're not doing your part to receive love that this church has. Hey, folks, when you come in at a time where worship has started, you just slip in and get seated. And then the prayer, you slip out of your pew and get to the car. When is there opportunity to get loved on? Right? So different Showing affection, you've also got to place yourself in a, in a place where you can be loved on. Amen? There is two parts. You've got to ask yourself the question. You say, well, I don't feel well loved. Well, what part have you done to make it easy for people to love on you? Right? I've had people, it's really hard to love on them. they just like they don't want it. Right? And so when you come into a church, and, and, and I agree when people seem to avoid it, I encourage you, hunt them down, right? I mean, go the extra mile, church. But listen, there is two parts to this, this love of, of affection. This kind of love, this kind of affection is a natural. It's the most natural kind. I, well, growing up, I loved doing this with my great-grandma. And um, we would take... Um, Sometimes we would take her, her little four-wheeler and she would hook it up to this red wagon and she would pull us uh, great-grandkids uh, down past her house to a spring. It, 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 would, it would be a natural spring coming out of a hillside. And maybe you've had similar moments like that. And, and you know that that was the, just so pure a water, right? That, that spring water. And I'm talking about the spring water that's in the bottle. I'm talking about going to the ground, amen, where, where close to maybe near where you live. And it's a natural spring of pure, it flows freely. It, there's no hint. It's coming out of the earth. And that's what Paul's talking about. You have been transformed. You have a transformed life by grace. You need to be renewed thinking back to Christ because this kind of love, this affection, should be a pure, free, flowing 
affection. It's not something you force. It's something that's free-flowing. And if there's a hindrance to the free-flowing of affection that you should have, go back uh, to verse um, uh, uh, 2, I believe it is. In verse 2, to renew your mind on Christ. Christ says, when you receive me, it's like a well, right? It's like a spring. It's, it's just flowing in you. So you say, well, that's just not me, preacher. That's just not who I am. If you're a child of God, yeah, that's who you are because the one that you know lives inside you. And he says, I'm like a well, springing water. It's just flowing all the time. And that's, that's the love of Christ that you should show. You have a new nature. Therefore, you've been transformed. You have this new love to actually flesh it out. Look a little bit further. It talks about this respectful kind of love, honoring one another. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing for a church that when someone does do something for the Lord, get behind them and tell them well done. I'm not saying worship the person. By all means, we worship God, not the people. But we are to be an encourager of the people. Amen? Don't overlook a servant of God. Amen? Give them, give them some recognition. Be thankful for them and tell them, you know, I'm just thankful for you and what you do. I mean, that's helpful. That's helpful to the body. That's, that's healthy conversation. Sometimes I've heard one person say, many times there's some people that just like, just like to look at themselves and what they do for the church. They don't look at anybody else. And one danger that one person said this, if all we do is gaze upon ourselves, we will oftentimes see more evil than good. So it's really even healthy to look at other people and them serving. Because if you look at yourself long enough, you're, really, you're eventually going to get to the evil that you are. And the bad things that you do, right? You know, you're going to get, look through and see the good, but then you're going to get to the, the, to the bad stuff. Look at everyone and acknowledge them and love on them and thank them. Be respectful uh, to what they do, all right? Preferring one another. Preferring one another. I always, uh, it's almost like this. Um, you know, you, 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 you come to, maybe come to someone, you're com- coming to an entrance to somewhere, and you say, oh, no, after you. Oh, no, I, by all means, after you. No, 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 after you. No, 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 a- a- after you. And, and it's preferring. It, it, it's, it's just that kind of love that Paul's talking about. You first. No, 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 you first. Of course, somebody eventually has to be first to walk through the door, but you are showing that preferring them over yourself. Is that not the gospel? Christ put his father first, he put you first, and so he went to the cross. Amen? He died, rose again, to the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, still putting you first. This is gospel love. This is what this, this is, there is a duty to the brethren, a love that is very respectful. But dear friend, listen, don't use this as a scapegoat to be lazy and not do anything. Oh, brother, you go ahead and do that. <laughs> you know, now, nah, boy, you, you, you're doing a great job. Go, you, I, I'll just prefer you. So don't, don't, don't get real uh, um, uh, crafty with that, all right, and, and mix some flesh in there. We're talking about being spiritually in tune with the Spirit of God. But then he goes in talking about this liberality of love, this distribution. Um, talks about... In verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, tribulation, continuing in instant prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, giving the hospitality, right? 
Um, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. You know, this, this liberal distribution of love. Um, Paul is saying it's, it's more than just empty verbal expressions. It's, it's more than just being open um, to our, our souls in prayer for the people. It's, it's even opening up our wallet and our schedule for the brethren to be of help, to be of compassion, right? I'm not talking about use. I'm not talking about being, not being a good steward, but it's more than just opening up our, our prayers, but it's opening up who we are and all that we have that God's given us to help and assist the brethren. Took up a love offering for a brother. He's not a member of this church, but he's been a part of this ministry. Amen. He's not part actually of this local body, but he sure has helped this body. So what has people done? They opened up their wallet. They opened up something that's very, you know, that, that, that helps them their own life. But it's not just about helping your life. It's about helping the life of others. And so Paul even told that about the churches. They, they even gave out of their poverty. They gave liberally out of their poverty. And so Paul, Paul is saying, pay attention, church, to your church, to the members, to the brethren. Is there needs? I appreciate our deacons. We, we make sure that we, you know, we stay aware of, of the needs of the people. And um, so a love that is a liberal in distribution. Uh, Matthew Henry also said this. He said, there's a common love owing to our fellow creatures, but a special love owing to our fellow Christians. Amen? We are to be... Uh, distributing the blessings of God to all, we begin here with the brethren. If you won't do it for, to a brother in Christ, who would you do it to? Do it for? Probably no one. Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. That, that verse just sealed it up right there for us. He says, given to hospitality. You read that in that verse there, given to hospitality. You know what that means? That means pursue it. Pursue hospitality. Opening your home. Opening yourself. Say, hey, let's, 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 let me take you out for lunch. Hey, let's meet for coffee. You know, being hospitable. That is, and I'll, I'll speak this to, you know, especially even as a pastor and serving as deacons. That's even qualifications to being hospitable. God God uh, cares about that. And so Christ was very hospitable. He ate and drank with sinners, those that people despise. Love is very sympathetic. You see that in verse 10. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Right? Love is, 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 is practiced when you're proactive. Not just to join people that have a joyful moment, but to join people that have a sorrowful moment. Be proactive. Dive into their weeping and dive into their joy. Amen. That's, that's, that's what this transformed life, that's the power of a renewed mind. It helps you live this life out. You really tap into the power of the gospel. And that's what Paul is saying. It's very sympathetic. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. And whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. We are a body. If one hurts, we all hurt. If one's joyful, we're all joyful. We don't go, well, you know, I'd like to be joyful sometime, and so I'm just not going to be joyful with him. You're back stuck on yourself again. Grow up, amen? You have the strength to do it. Do it. This body deserves loving people that rejoices and weeps 
with you. A love that is lowly, right? You come on down here, uh, this um, low estate in verse 16. Mind not high things, but consent, condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits, right? A love that is lowly. I want to tell you this. True love cannot be without this. Condescend to men of low estate. Lower yourself down to those that are down. Right? I go back to John chapter 13, verses 5, and you jump over to verse 14. But that, that story there of Christ, when he brought the disciples and he took his own clothing and he grabbed a basin of water and he washed their feet. He lowered himself. It's not because they asked him to, but he did it. He pursued that posture toward them. And he wanted them to understand, hey, what I'm doing for you, you do for one another. Amen? Christ has never asked us to do what he did not do himself. Amen? A love that is a lowly kind of love. Never be ashamed, dear friend, to strive, uh, strive to distance yourself from those who are, don't, don't distance yourself from those that are in need, right? Pursue them. Don't be high-minded, okay? Um, don't be high-minded. But let, let's bring it down and, and, and sort of land the plane here to this, this final thought, and I'll, I'll try to, to wrap it up here. A love that is very engaging. This is hard stuff, and it's not getting easier here, but we remember, we, I can do all things through Christ, so you really need to, to live that out here. talks about those of, of the evil, right? Those that have done evil to you. Um, recompense, uh, no man evil for evil. Provide, provide things honest inside of all men. If it be possible, as much as lie than you, live peaceably with all men. Um, we, need, we, we, we believe that wisdom from God is the best wisdom and he's given it to us. Let me give you a few verses. James 3.17 But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, and of good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Hebrews 12.14 Follow peace with all men, holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Ephesians 4, 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so you look at verse 18, he said, if it be possible, right? Um, you look at verse 18, possible, you look up that word, it means capable. Because some would like to really get a scapegoat here. Well, you know, I've done this, this, it's just not possible for me to do it anymore. But it talks about... Uh, uh, if it be possible, if it be capable with you, what are you not capable to continue putting your effort toward when Christ lives in you? They may not want to be at peace, but you can continue a certain posture of your life toward that person to want peace and paint the atmosphere for peace. They may not ever give it, but you can live in peace toward them. They may not reciprocate that. They're really not talking about that other person so much. Talking about you. If it be possible, live peaceably with all men. They may not return peace, but you're to give it. Possible means capable. What are you not capable to do for the glory of God? You're able to do all things. Amen? So you are capable. All right? So he goes, he goes on to say, um, 
a little, a little bit further. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And notice this, therefore, here's what you need to be doing. So when, when, when the scripture's saying here, vengeance belongs to God, and we are not to be vengeful, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, you feed him. Well, if, if vengeance is, is if, if God has reminds you, vengeance does not belong to you, then he puts, he puts a, a plate in your hand, right? He's, he's like, take, take a dish of food. It's not the sword in your hand toward the enemy. It's a plate of food to the enemy, right? So you have to, if vengeance isn't in my hand, what's in my hand? He said, food. If they're hungry, you feed them, right? You, you, you feed them. If they thirst, you give them to drink. Um, and so what he's saying is when you do this, it's like heaping coals of fire on their head, right? You're putting love on them. You're, you're, you're what does it say is? Um, kill them with kindness. Is that, that the phrase? And that's really what's happening here. They may not live at peace towards you, but you leave peace toward them. So therefore, you don't, you're not vengeful because that belongs to God. So, if that enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him drink. Man, I met a guy one time, and, I, and I'm trying to bring it to a close here. But I was framing a house, me and my, my great uncle there in Windsor. And this was completely opposite to the scripture. And uh, uh, he was mentioning another person that had built their home or whatever. And he stopped by. He lived on down the road. And, and he's like, you know, y'all doing a great job. But that guy that, that built my house, he said, you know, if, if, if he was the last person on earth and he was thirsty, I wouldn't even give him a drink of water. And he was proud of that statement. I'm like, bless God, you need Jesus. Amen. And he was proud of that. But vengeance does not belong to you. It's not about giving, getting even. And here's even the more driving thing, even the more important thing about this. What Paul is saying, a vengeful heart can overtake you and control you and transform you to something that you're not to be. You belong to Jesus. You're to live the transformed life that grace has done for you. Do not step into a vengeful heart. Do not step into a getting even kind of mentality because it will overtake you. It will swallow you. It is bigger than you. Because look at verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And, and, and that's because Christ has been the very picture of that. He has overcome the evil that we are by the gospel. So here, here's a simple truth. If you allow evilness to overcome you, you've lost. But, but if you, dear friend, will, will overcome the evil, then, then, then you've won. I mean, and Christ helps us do that. He renews our mind when we look to him and he, allow, he helps us to live that transformed life. It's all through Jesus. And I'll give you a quote and I'll close. Again, again from Matthew Henry. He says, those that revenge are the conquered. And those that forgive are the conquerors. So I don't know who you have in your life, classmate, co-worker, boss, neighbor, I don't know. And they really pushed your buttons and you, you know, you really like, how do I deal with them? Well, first, let God deal with them in that negative sense. But you be a missionary to them. That's your calling. Not, not a soldier with a sword, how can I trim them down? But no, you're a missionary. To them. 
So, dear friend, there is a transformed life that, that you are called to live. But that calling also comes with that, the enablement of the Spirit. And, dear friends, it is just, it is just a, a view away to be renewed in who you are in Christ. Look to Christ. Look to Calvary. Look back to the gospel. And you can live this transformed life that you've been freed to live no matter what is happening around you or even to you. Amen? Thank God for Christ. Thank God for the gospel and all that it does for us. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. We'll have Sister Arv come or the mic to come. And we'll prepare our hearts for an invitation.